G'day, g'day! Welcome to Game Day with Gabe. I'm your host, Gabe the Babe, and you're about to get an insight to the college football world. What's up, Googs fans? Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about my takeaways from BYU's game on Saturday night against Sam Houston, uh, the upsets and scores of week one college football, and the games that I'm looking forward to in week two that will be some good games. So, to start things off for today's episode, I'm going to talk about BYU and how we performed against Sam Houston. We won 14-0, which is decent because it's a good win for our defense, but on our offense, it was a loss. So, our defense performed really well. We stopped the run, and we allowed some passes. But how we shut them out to zero points is by forcing punts. And how we did that is by uh, stopping the run. They did not get much rush yards at all, probably 50 max. That's because our linebackers, like Ben Bywater and Max Tooley, A.J. Vanjapana, and uh, our defensive line, like Tyler Batty, those guys were stepping up and making big plays for BYU. In our passing game, we could do a bit better with our linebacker and cornerbacks coverage because I'm not sure uh, we covered that as well as we could. And once we start playing some Big 12 teams like Kansas and Cincinnati and Texas and TCU, they will shred up our defense if we can't figure some things out. But we did really well. So I think that our defense won't be, uh, won't be as bad as last year by any means. Jay Hill did a great job in coming in and making a great impact for BYU. On special teams, special teams had an amazing day. Will Fern was all right, made both of his extra points, and he had a field goal attempt blocked, which was actually offsides, though, so the field goal attempt didn't count because BYU got a first down as a result. But he looked confident in his kicking, whereas punting, that was where things got good. Ryan Rico punted nine times for an average of 55 yards per punt. That's like NFL-level type punting averages. Punt for, for 475 yards, uh, around those stats. Those are averages and uh, roughly estimates. But anyway, Ryan Rico was booming the ball Saturday night. Uh Fans would get excited to see him come out just because our offense was lazy and boring that night. We could not figure anything out. So when Ryan Rico came out, that was when things got interesting. He was doing 60, 70, even 80-yard punts based on the rolls. So I'm really happy with our punting game. But we never want to see him come out and punt as much in the game anymore. We want our offense to do better. And it starts with Keaton Slovis. Slovis had a game of going 20 for 33, 145 yards, with an average of 4.4 yards. Now, that's not great averages. He can do better, and I know that. He didn't get any touchdowns, but he also didn't get any interceptions. So he handled the ball well, but I feel like he could have been more effective with his throws and been more accurate, too. He was off on some of the deep balls that he tossed. So, he got a quarterback rating of 26.7. Not good. I think we can definitely improve from that. In our rushing game, Aiden Robbins started out, 
and he was doing all right, but he was only getting three or four yards every carry, and he could not get a first down for us. So in the second half, we found a solution, and we put in true freshman L.J. Martin, who had a great game. He carried 16 times for 91 yards with an average of 5.7 and a long of 21. Those are some great stats. Uh, the long of L.J. Martin's rush was the longest play of BYU all game, which is crazy. Um, Darius Lassiter led receptions in four receptions for 43 yards, and then Chase Roberts had five for 42 yards. And we didn't have Cody Epps or Keanu Hill. Uh, so they are dealing with injuries, and we don't we don't have them right now. Hopefully they'll be available for week two as we go into those games. I hope they become available because we could use some speed. And Keelan Marion could step up. He had one reception for three yards. I think he can definitely do better. Some things that uh, were bright spots was definitely L.J. Martin was... Uh, uh, who was it? L.J. Martin and uh, Ryan Rico. Those were two bright spots, I'd say, for BYU in the win. 14-0 is not bad. Uh, getting a shutout. It was BYU's first shutout against an FBS team since... 2012 so that's been 11 years so our defense is doing better which is good to see next saturday against southern utah we play at one o'clock on espn plus against uh fcs team yeah southern utah's fcs so they made a close game last week against um arizona state but arizona state did get the win but it was a close game so it's gonna be no pushover we should not think we're superior than Southern Utah just because they're an FCS team. And Eddie Hackard, BYU's cornerback, who had an interception in the game, has said, from an FCS school, uh, I've noticed that the FBS players think better of themselves, that they're better than FCS players. It's definitely not always true. And if we overlook Southern Utah, then we're going to get a big fat loss out of it. So hopefully we can keep our focus on and really improve that offense and get the running game going. One reason why BIU's running game didn't work was because our offensive line. Our offensive line did not create any holes for the running back to get some yards, and that's a big concern. I was raving about how good BIU's offensive line was, but it did not play the part uh, Saturday night. I think we could have done a lot better. We had many holding penalties. We had many. Uh, we had some ineligible men downfield. That just means they go too far downfield on passing plays. And we can definitely do better. So hopefully we improve as a unit and get some running going. Because if you can get the run game going, then the throwing starts coming in. And then you become a dangerous offense. And that can really help in Big 12 play. So it all starts with the offensive line. Well, you want to know who had a worse night? Even more bad than BYU's offense was the refs. The refs were just a clueless uh, Saturday night. They could not get a call right. Let's be honest. Jacob Robinson had two picks. The first one was a pick in the end zone to save a touchdown for BYU and keep the shutout going. The second one was a one-handed interception. That was insane. He was guarding this wide receiver, and then he th watches the quarterback throw the ball to him. The wide receiver is not expecting it, but he's like one step away from the outside boundary. So he reaches out with his left hand, 
while the ball's out of bounds, uh, grabs it, grabs the ball with his left hand, pulls it back in to his chest. It touches the ground on the way as he's trying to recover the interception. And if it touches the ground, it's incomplete. It definitely touched the ground, and the refs somehow said that his hand got under it, which it didn't, but they called it that anyway, and it was an interception for BYU. So, I'm really happy that we got the interception, but it should not have been an interception. And they were calling holding calls on every other play on BYU's offense. And there was just a lot of things to complain about, which I won't get into all the details of, like some questionable PI calls. So... The refs either must have been paid by the flag, which is most likely, or they were just getting paid by the hour to extend the game. I I don't know. Probably the hour. So, that was BYU's game. It was pretty good. A bit of a snoozer, but the experience there was so fun. Uh, Cougar tails were as good as they always are. The quarterbacks, uh, not the quarterbacks, the fan base was amazing. The rock, the student section for BYU was really good. They had lots of energy. They were hyping the stadium up, and it was a pretty fun game. So to move on from BYU's game, I'm going to talk about Colorado versus TCU in week one and why that was such a good game. Well, Colorado and TCU, this is a, a TCU team that's ranked number 17 in the preseason ball. That doesn't mean much, but people are expecting good things of TCU. Colorado comes right out of the gate with Deion Sanders, and they score a touchdown to go up 7-0. And this uh, touchdown creates a lot of momentum for Colorado, and it just shifts the game from TCU to Colorado's momentum. And it was also a really hot game. On the Colorado sideline, it was 134 degrees. That's what players had to go into every time they came off the field. And it was so hot. I can't imagine for those players. Deion Sanders led a successful run for Colorado. They went up 17-14 at the half with a 47-yard field goal as time expired to get a uh, three-point lead. And then he motivated the players in the halftime, uh, halftime break. Shadur Sanders was having a great game. He's Deion Sanders' son, and he transferred over from Jacksonville State to, no, just Jackson State University. He transferred from there to Colorado. So did Travis Hunter, the number one recruit back in 2021, who chose to go to Jackson State and play for Dion rather than go to a team like Alabama. And he had offers from everyone, being the number one recruit. He is a wide receiver and a cornerback, and he's amazing at both positions. He had eight first down catches an interception that saved a touchdown, and a pass breakup. So Travis Hunter is a Heisman contender after the way he played this game. It was 17-14 on the first play, or not first play, but the first drive for Colorado. Shadur Sanders throws a bubble screen to his running back, Dylan Edwards. Uh, He runs all the way to the house and gets a touchdown for Colorado to go up 24-14. Uh, TCU bounces back. They go uh, 21 to 24, and then Colorado scores once more. And from then on, it just goes back and forth, back and forth. Touchdown, 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 touchdown. And then uh, all the while, Shadur Sanders throws for over 500 yards. He throws for five touchdowns. Uh, one of them to 
let me check. Uh, Don, uh, Dylan Edwards for Colorado. He had a great game. He had three touchdowns, reception, and uh, running and stuff. He's their running back. And then they have some transfers from South Florida. Um, they have Travis Hunter, of course, and he did really well. Shooter Sanders had five touchdown passes, which was crazy. And Deion Sanders was going crazy. Anyway, uh, four touchdown passes, sorry, with an average of 10.9 yards and a quarterback rating of 90.6 for Shadur Sanders. He went 38 for 47. Uh, Dylan Edwards caught five for 135 yards, and Jimmy Horn caught 11 for 117. He's a transfer wide receiver from South Florida, who BYU played last year. So, all in all, the way Colorado played, it was so fun, but also really intense, because as they were going back and forth, it was getting late into the fourth quarter. TCU ended up getting a, a kickoff return for, like, 90 yards. They had a punt return for 90 yards. They had running plays of 50 yards. But then Colorado was throwing dots on the field, and they were getting touchdowns easily. In the end, Colorado won 45-42 on a fourth down stop, and they kneeled out the clock, got a crazy win. It was Fox uh, Big Noon Saturday. That was their game that they broadcasted, and everyone in America was watching that game. All the eyes were on that game in college football. So if you enjoy a nice game, you should definitely check out the highlights from that game. It was crazy. And a big-time upset, too, because some people were expecting Colorado to go... Uh, 2-10 this year with Deion Sanders and that he'd completely flop. But now he's saying, do you believe me now? And people are believing him. Believe me. I actually predicted this game. Listen to my last couple of podcasts. You'll hear me say Colorado's going to get the upset against TCU. And boy, they sure did. So I'm proud of myself for picking this game. It means a lot to have Colorado actually pull off the upset. Who would have thought Deion Sanders can lead his roster go on the road at TCU, and win. And now they're getting national attention. They're ranked number 22 in the rankings, uh, getting a lot of buzz. And then they host Nebraska for another big noon Saturday. That'll be in two days. So there's some exciting college football going on. On Monday, Labor Day, Duke upset Clemson at home. Clemson was ranked number nine in the preseason poll which it's the preseason, so we don't know anything about them. But still, it was a good upset. They won 28-7, to wasn't even a close game, and they stormed the field after. So it's interesting to see Clemson lose. Meanwhile, LSU and Florida State played. Florida State won 45-24, and Jordan Travis, their quarterback, had an amazing game. It was an amazing game. Um, Let's see. Yeah, Florida State was ranked number 8, LSU was ranked number 5. Again, these don't mean that much because preseason rankings. But Jordan Travis accounted for 5 touchdowns, 1 rushing and 4 throwing for 342 yards. A monster game. That's definitely a Heisman caliber a Heisman caliber roster and a quarterback they have there. Keon Coleman, a freshman, had nine receptions for 122 yards and three touchdowns. So they've got some serious talent on offense. I think Florida State in, is in a prime position to make the playoff because there's no one in the ACC challenging them right now. 
they're the best in the ACC, and I think they're going to win their conference and go on, make the playoff, and be the first ACC team in the playoff for a while. Led by Drake May, number 21, North Carolina took down South Carolina Gamecocks, and they took that win on the road. I picked that one on College Pick'em, so I'm proud of that. North Carolina is going to have a great year, I think. Uh, the ACC and ACC is going to have North Carolina and Florida State really competing for that top two positions, I think. And I think those two will probably go down to the ACC championship the way that things have looked so far. With Drake May leading North Carolina's offense, he's going to be a first-round pick, second-highest-rated quarterback in all of college football right now, only behind Caleb Williams from USC. Now I'm going to go into some college football rankings that just came out, and soon after, I'll take a look at the Chiefs-Lions game that just finished CNC see how that went. So, in the college football rankings, we have Georgia at number one again, Michigan number two, Alabama number three, and Florida State jumped up to number four. They knocked down Ohio State. And I can see how Florida State's four. It makes sense. Ohio State's number five now. USC six. Penn State is seven. Washington is eight after a big win versus Boise State. Michael Penix Jr. had 439 passing yards and five touchdown passes. That is a high quarterback rating. I'd say that Washington's top 10 team. Tennessee also had a great offense. They're number nine, and Notre Dame, number 10. Everyone else, I feel like that top 10 is definitely a top-tier best teams. And then going from 11 to 20 would be the next best teams, like Texas, Utah, Oregon, LSU, Kansas State, Oregon State, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Ole Miss, uh, Duke, Colorado, and those teams would be the second tier, and then the rest. The Chiefs and the Lions played Thursday Night Football on NBC, and the Lions came out with a win, 21-20. This is because Travis Kelsey was out and because the Chiefs made too many mistakes, and the Lions played really well on offense, enough to get the win. And it was a shocker. All the Chiefs fans in attendance were hoping for a, a celebration to get, to start off their uh, Super Bowl celebration season after they just won the Super Bowl last year. It didn't work because the Lions came in behind Jared Goff, David Montgomery, and Jameer Gibbs, and of course, Amon Ross St. Brown. They have a great offense going there. They're a scrappy team, and their offensive line has a lot of good chemistry going there. Their running game was really successful against the Chiefs. On the last two minutes of the game, when they had the final drive, they were not. They would not be stopped on that drive. Their offensive line is very good. So, Patrick Mahomes had not much help today. Travis Kelsey was out with a bruised knee injury, and their top running back, their top rusher was Mahomes. Six carries for 45 yards, and behind that was Isaiah Bajiko with eight carries for 23 yards. So not much of a rushing game tonight. And their wide receiver with the most yards was Marquez Valdez-Scantling with 48 yards and two receptions. He needs more help than that. He needs Travis Kelsey going off for 100-plus yards and three touchdowns every game. He doesn't need that. But he needs Kelsey or a reliable wide receiver who can catch and who has good hands. And he just didn't have that tonight. There were too many dropped balls by the wide receivers on Kansas City. 
So, mistakes lead to losses, and Detroit got a win in Kansas City. What a big upset. So that's good for uh, Detroit and all their fans who've been wanting this win badly. Moving on to college pick'em. I'm going to share my picks for uh, standard first, and then I might do the spread picks, which is where I pick against the spread. Let's run through this real fast. The standard picks for college pick'em, there's some decent games on week two, like Texas and Alabama. I believe that's where uh, college game day is going. For those of you who don't know, college game day is basically um, just this show where ESPN picks some of their some of their reporters to go um, to the campus of the biggest game in college football that day. Usually that's being broadcasted on ESPN. So basically the biggest game, they pick their guys to go put on a show called College Game Day where they do interviews, they preview stuff, they pick stuff, and it's just fun to watch college football. So that's definitely on here. Game 1. In college pick'em, number 10, Notre Dame at Nancy State. I'm picking Notre Dame. They're definitely a top-tier team. I don't see an upset happening there. Number 12, Utah Utes at the Baylor Bears. Now, Baylor just lost to Texas State 41-32, to or pardon, 42-31. to And that was a crazy upset. Texas State did not act like a team that was going to pull off an upset. But I'm sure they had it in them, and Baylor was shocked. I mean, the Big 12 didn't have a great day Saturday because TCU lost, Baylor lost, Texas Tech lost to Wyoming. That was in double overtime. So uh, in that game, Texas Tech and Wyoming, they went to overtime. They both scored a touchdown, and then in double overtime, Texas Tech got the ball. They scored a touchdown, and since in double overtime you have to go for two points, they failed their two-point conversion. Then it was Wyoming's ball. It gets to 4th down and 15, and Wyoming has to go for it and get a touchdown, basically. So they bring pressure, and the Wyoming quarterback, uh, Andrew Peasley, escapes the pressure and throws it to his tight end who waltzes in for a touchdown. And then they get the two-point conversion off a rushing, uh, rushing play. And the fans storm the field, and they pull off a crazy upset in double overtime. So... Baylor had the same thing happen to them, but they lost at home to Texas State. Pretty embarrassing. Regardless, I'm going to go against what my gut says and what my mind says. My gut says to go with Baylor, and I'm going to stick with that and pick Baylor to win on ESPN. That'll be at 10 a.m. against the Utah Utes. The next game is Nebraska Cornhuskers at number 22, Colorado Buffaloes. Now I've talked about the Colorado and TCU game. That was amazing. I think Colorado's going to keep up the hype, and they're going to win at home. Iowa at Iowa State. Good rivalry we got here. This will be Fox's 1-30 game, or 3-30. I'm picking Iowa State for this one because Iowa is unreliable. Personally, I think their defense is really good, but their offense is lacking talent and uh, explosiveness, and I think that Iowa State is having the home field advantage for sure, and they've got the better talent there, so I'm picking Iowa State for this one. Number 20, Ole Miss Rebels at number 24, Tulane and Green Wave. This will be on ESPN2 at 1.30 Mountain Time. I think Ole Miss comes in 
riding hot after after a big win. I think they put up 80-plus points on Saturday last week with Jackson Dart and Spencer Sanders. Jackson Dart's their starter. So here's a fun stat about USC quarterbacks and transfers. Uh, I learned that on Saturday, four transfers going in or out of USC started in college football. Four different quarterbacks. And that's all been in the last five years since 2019. That's Keaton Slovis, Jackson Dart, Caleb Williams, and JT Daniels. It's crazy. JT Daniels is starting for Rice now in his final year. Keaton Slovis is at BYU. Caleb Williams transferred into USC, and Jackson Darts transferred out to Ole Miss. So, all four USC former and coming in USC quarterbacks, all, uh, they all win. I think they all won except for JT Daniels. He lost their game. But Ole Miss with Jackson Dart, they destroyed their opponent, and their offense is really good, and their rushing attack. So, anyways, I'm going to pick Ole Miss for this one. I don't see Tulane pulling off an upset, although I see it being a close game. I think Tulane's a really good team. At 1.30 again, this will be number 23, Texas A&M Aggies at the Miami Hurricanes. I think Miami has the home field advantage. Texas A&M has a really good coach in Jimbo Fisher, but I don't know. I don't trust them. I think Miami gets the home court, home field advantage, and they win this game. I think that Texas A&M turns the ball over too much. Miami gets good points. In college game day, number 11, Texas Longhorns, and number 3, Alabama Crimson Tide. The spread for this game is 7.5, I believe. Well, I'm not picking on the spread right now, so I'm going to pick Alabama because I think Alabama's uh, a better team right now. The way that Texas played Saturday, I can't really trust them as much as I'd like to. They only won by 27 against a team they should have put up probably 40 or 50 points on. And so Alabama, with Jalen Milrow, he was doing really well in his game Saturday. But then again, they're playing Texas defense now, which is way better than any team they were playing before. So I think it'll be a close game. I think that Texas covers a spread in a close game, but Alabama gets the win. Number 13, Oregon Ducks at Texas Tech Raiders. I'm going to be honest, the way Oregon looked, and they put up so many points on offense, they looked unstoppable. I just got to pick Oregon. But I could easily see Texas Tech winning this game. I could see them winning, trying to get revenge after a, a heartbreaking loss at Wyoming. So I see this going either way, but I'm going to stick with Oregon for this. UCF Knights at Boise State Broncos. I'm picking UCF for this one. They also played really well on Saturday. And finally, Oklahoma State Cowboys at Arizona State Sun Devils. This one's a big toss-up. I don't really know. Arizona State almost lost to Southern Utah, and they're an FCS team. That's who BYU is going up against. They won 24-21, and they nearly lost. If they had lost, I'd be concerned about BYU because we would be going in uh, jittery and uh, shaky on offense. It would not be great. Arizona State did get the win. I think that... They're decent enough to pull off a scrappy, ugly win against Oklahoma State at home. And the tiebreaker, how many total points will be scored in Texas versus Alabama? I'm saying 60. 
Now, moving on to picking with the spread, which is really fun. I love picking with the spread. Oh, let's run through this really fast. Notre Dame versus NC State. The spread is negative uh, 7.5 to Notre Dame. I'm picking Notre Dame to cover this game. Georgia versus Ball State. The spread is 42.5 points to Georgia. I'm also picking Georgia to cover 42.5 points. Iowa at Iowa State. The spread is to Iowa for 4.5 points. So naturally, I'm going to pick against Iowa State. Because even if Iowa wins, it might only be by a field goal, which would be three points, and it would not cover. So I'm going Iowa State. UNLV at number two, Michigan Wolverines. The spread is 35.5 to Michigan. I think that UNLV loses but covers. Tusa Golden Hurricane at uh, number eight, Washington Huskies. And the spread is 34.5 points. Might as well make it 70 on Wisconsin. Uh, not Wisconsin, pardon, Washington, because their offense is so explosive, and I think they covered us easily. Uh, Appalachian State Mountaineers at number 17, North Carolina Tar Heels. This spreads 15.5. I can see North Carolina covering this. I'm picking them. SMU Mustangs at number 18, Oklahoma Sooners. The spread is 16.5. I'm picking Oklahoma to cover. Texas at Alabama. So, the spread's 7.5. I think that Alabama wins by 7, and therefore, just barely, barely Texas covers. So, that is a risky pick, but I'm picking Texas to cover. Number 13, Oregon Ducks at Texas Tech. This spread's 6.5 to Oregon. I think that Oregon covers. And finally, Stanford Cardinal at number 6, USC Trojans. This spread is 29 for this game and I'm picking Stanford to pull off uh, not an upset it'll be a reasonably close game I think that USC wins by a good amount but barely Stanford covers in this game and there you have it that's college pick'em and there's going to be some good games like Texas and Alabama you should definitely check that one out all right moving on to BYU versus Southern Utah this will be in two days on Saturday, we play at 1, let me check, it's 1, I believe, instead of 1.30. We're playing on ESPN+, Plus, also known as uh, Big 12 now. It's a small streaming network. So, we're going to be playing at home, sporting the all-Navy uniforms. I'm not a big fan of the all-Navy uniforms because we tend to lose while we wear them. But hopefully, we can prove them wrong and we can beat Southern Utah which we should do. I think our offense definitely rebounds in this game, and we figure out how to run the ball. I think we run the ball a ton with our guys Aiden Robbins and LJ Martin, our freshman. He's our guy. That'll be on 1 o'clock on ESPN+, and it'll be a good game. I think BYU wins 52-6. to Southern Utah is a good team, and I think that their offense does all right against us, but in the red zone, they struggle. They really struggle with BYU's strong defense. I think that we stop them. We get a few sacks and force a lot of punts and field goals. So, And BYU's offense should put up 50 or 40-plus points in this game. And I'm expecting us to, to rebound and have a good game and hopefully not have any more punts with Ryan Rico. We love him, but we don't love him that much to put him out on the field nine times like we did last week. 
So that's my prediction for BYU this week. Gabe's game is, of course, going to be Texas at Alabama. That's number 11 versus number 3, and it's Gabe's game, everybody. Well, that's going to wrap up my podcast for today. As always, thank you so much, so much for listening. It really means a lot. And if you enjoyed it so much, I would ask that you share this podcast with a friend and go to Spotify, listen to it there, because I need 100 listeners in the next 60 days. And if you could help me out with this, that would be really amazing, you guys. So if you could do that, then I can start putting in ads and monetizing this podcast. And I can keep it going and keep Game Day with Gabe going and all the hype that surrounds it. All right. See you next time, guys. Go Cougs!